Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sadly, this is what home sounds like for many of America's heroes. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street, sleeping on nothing more than cardboard. You can help. Donate at cardboardtoheadboard.org. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined by director of Fox NFL Sunday and Access Hollywood, Stephanie Medina. Stephanie talks about the importance of listening, reacting, and telling a story when directing, why the Fox NFL Sunday crew has such great chemistry, and why she was able to enjoy her third Super Bowl this past February. She also relays why television is a team sport and how she gets the most out of the team she works with. This episode is informative, fun, and filled with a lot of great advice. If you like what you hear, and I know you will, please go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Now, let's get to it. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, you may not know this about me, but I started my sports career uh, at Fox NFL. I was an intern in college at MLB on Fox and then worked there for a couple years after college. So I've just been very excited to talk to you about everything you're doing today. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so let's jump right in. I would love if you could start, you are the director of Fox NFL Sunday, if you could just start by giving us a little bit of an overview of what your roles and responsibilities are on that day. Absolutely. Um, well, as a director, just in general, you're in charge of, quote unquote, the look of the show. So you're picking, um, you're blocking, you're working with lighting. A lot of times you're working with a set designer, uh, even on the desk design. You're contributing along with uh, lots of other people, obviously, with executives and with um, the graphics department and all that. So you're working together with all of those different departments for the look of the show. And then ultimately, you're cutting the show. So you're picking the backgrounds of all the shots. You're picking what the wide shot will look like, what the close-ups will look like, what the backgrounds are. You are also working with audio, making sure that they have what they need as far as music cues and announces for different sponsors. You're also working with, um, obviously, the tape room, which had, well, I always call it tape, but I've been around for too long. It's like a, a digital t- tape room, an EVS room. So you have the tapes, you're calling all the commercials roles. Um, you're basically working with a lot of really talented people, but ultimately you're calling for them to do their jobs at a very specific time. Mm-hmm. And I know this is something you wanted to do for much of your life. What was it about directing that originally appealed to you? I've, I'm a I'm a TV addict. Um, I I was one of those kids that never was told you, you have to stop watching TV or you've watched too much TV today. Um, I watched it from the moment I woke up if I didn't have school until I had to go to sleep, and I watched it from the moment I got home. I was obsessed with television. I was obsessed even with news, and um, I kind of thought I wanted to be on air because I loved. I thought that the anchors were so smart. They were saying all these things off the top of their heads. Um, but then I realized it was all on prompter when I got to go visit an actual television station. Um, I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> and then I went into <laughs> and I saw the director and I saw what he was doing and everything was off the cuff and 
I mean, obviously that's what I thought at the time. Um, and just calling things and seeing things and then reacting and, and just directing all types of people. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Um, I love the adrenaline behind it. And I just thought that, that, that's something I think I could be good at. I'm a, I'm a fast talker and I'd like to think I'm a fast thinker. Um, and I, and I love television. So, um, it seemed like a perfect job for me. <laughs> what was your favorite TV show growing up? Oh my gosh. Aside from the news, like I said, I watched everything. I was a big ABC news person. Um, I would, I didn't think from, I mean, everything. Charlie's Angels was huge back then for me. Um, that was probably my most favorite show. I liked um, this, the Happy Days and, and Laverne Shirley and Three's Company. And I think I even watched The Love Boat and Fantasy Island. <laughs> I mean, um, I really loved it. Any of the sitcoms back then, you know, um, gosh, really like Maude and um, All in the Family, all those really cool old old things. I love them. I still watch them today back on Hulu, whatever I can find. But um, I really grew up watching television. I even watched, um, back in the old days, they used to have those um, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby road shows. I would watch anything old and current. I, I loved it all. I, I loved TV as well. Um, and I actually, when I was in high school and I was writing for the paper, I managed to make it like a school project because I felt I should review all the new shows coming on. Um, and that was my way of getting around any sort of uh, restrictions on how much TV I could watch. It's like, well, it's for school. I ha- I'm, I'm, I'm writing this article, so I'm going to have to watch as much as possible. Um, as a mom, you had to do it. That, I had to. I had no choice. What I mean, I, I had this article to be done. I remember my dad saying, who assigned you this article? I was like, um, I think it was me. I think it was me oh, who assigned this article. Someone, someone assigned it. Um, as a mom, is that something in your house too? Is, is everybody watching a lot of TV? No, uh, unfortunately, uh, I was raised by my grandmother, which, which, you know, was amazing because she didn't care. She was just loved me and, you know, wanted me to be happy. And I'm obviously a little more strict um, because with the social media and the, and the iPads and video games, there's just so many um, different options and there's, they would never do anything outside or never really on homework or even just the beautiful idea of reading, which I love as well. So I definitely have limits on it um, because there's, you know, like there's 500 channels, plus there's streaming, plus there's X, Y, Z. And back then you could, you had, you know, at what it was 13 channels or something and yeah, lots of commercials in between. So yeah, it's just a different ball game now. So I definitely have a, a lot more limits. So you're also a director at Access Hollywood and we're going to get back to more of Fox NFL Sunday, but what is the difference if there is one, you know, in terms of directing the two shows, I think to the outside person, it might feel like there'd be a big difference, but maybe there's really not. Cause as you talked about directing, there are a lot of things that are generally true. Uh, so what are the differences and did that appeal to you because of this love of growing up watching television? Well, I think the two, my two favorite things to watch that are uh, the biggest thing for me in television is live. Like I love mm-hmm. and being part of live television as opposed to Thing. But um, if I want to watch something live, it's generally been entertainment um, television, which is a, kind of leads to like some award shows and, and then the shows about different types of film, movies, etc., cetera, um, TV, etc. And then I like sports, which is live. So I think for me, I gravitated to both of those mediums because I like the live aspect. And then the thing with sports, um, for me, I'm not directing games. Uh, I've never directed a game. I've, I've done a little bit of like 
you know, I did a little tennis back in the day and I did a little bit of soccer, but I didn't really ever really like that. I thought it was, um, it was a different, different uh, genre for me. I like the talk shows that talked about sports. So for me, even though Access and Fox and NFL Sunday are two very different shows, for me, it's the same in that it's about people talking about a certain subject. You know, I'm not, I'm not directing a game. But in sports television in general, it really is more of a producer medium in that they really decide the content and a lot of times um, have more of a role in, in, you know, where they want certain things and things like that. Whereas in the entertainment industry, you really have much more say in that. You have, um, we collaborate more with producers, I think, I would say. Instead of being an, um, a facilitator almost, you're more of a creative. You work with, I work a lot more with the graphics, a lot more with um, the look. I even help with content a little bit, help with um, making their stories come to life more visually than I would do in any of the sports jobs that I've had. So just talking about the look of the show and kind of the tone of the show, when you took over at Fox NFL Sunday, what changes did you make in that area and why were those things that jumped out to you? Um, I would say, well, kind of, it's kind of a double-edged sword on that question because the director before me, whose name is Bob Levy, who directed it from the very beginning, who's one of my, mm-hmm. my members, um, he really is, I think, the king of listening and he taught me how to listen and not just listening to the producers but listening to the talent and what they're saying and and how to make um what they're saying and how people are reacting to what they're saying the other people at the desk make that more of a story for the people at home and i would just i think i would i did what he did and i've hope i hope i've done it as well as he has because he really was great at listening and reacting and finding those moments and telling a story if I've brought anything different, I think I've taken more. He gave me so much responsibility as the associate director. I've probably taken some of that responsibility back into the director chair as far as like when to roll certain things and and um, and calling for different things and working out some of the script stuff and things like that, where I, I think he let me do those. I've taken those back a little bit and I've um, just tried to continue uh, with what he taught me as far as really... Um, giving the talent, showing their talent, the talent's personality in a great way. In other words, like when Michael says something funny and you see all the guys' reaction or when he's, when Michael Strayan laughs at something, he laughs like with his whole being, you know, his whole body, Mm -hmm. his face crunches up, he's like slapping the table. And it really makes you feel like you know Michael a little bit better. And so if I didn't show it and I just kept on the person who was telling the story and maybe a quick shot of Howie, or if you stay with these people reacting, you kind of feel like you know them a little bit more. And so I, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to keep doing that, I guess. Well, you do, you do an excellent job because I think that's something that really, really comes through on the show. And it brings up another question I had. There are a lot of different personalities, each one of them, you know, on that show, very unique. And each one brings something so interesting and special to what they do. How do you manage that? And I guess you did some, what, answer it, but how do you get such good chemistry from that talent? Is it letting them sort of just be who they are and reacting off them? Or is there any kind of coaching that goes into that? I would say this is definitely something that the executives at Fox from the very beginning, they they really just struck gold with Terry Bradshaw. And I think Terry Bradshaw was 
very um, instrumental in bringing on Howie Long, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I think it's just grown from there. And I think that I'm not sure exactly who hired Michael Strahan, but again, just an amazing hire. And they've just really have all gelled because they're really actually friends. Jimmy Johnson and Terry, great friends. Howie Long and Terry, such great friends. Michael, great friends with all of them. They hang out on their own time. And I think, and they also, Fox really has been great about having dinners with the whole crew, both with the game crew and with our pregame crew, which just fosters this really great family feeling. And I think that's what you see on TV. Um, and I'm just there to to show it. it. It's something that's happened way before me and um, is fostered by the the overall philosophy at Fox that, you know, we're a family and they really do truly like each other. And I think that's just evident but on screen big time. So in terms of, you know, when you took over in your position, I know you were obviously there before as, as you were talking about, um, and when I asked about, you know, changing any look and tone, is an important part of being director also to say, to know when not to change things and to know when something is great and that it's okay to keep it that way, even if it was from the person before you? Yeah, absolutely. I think you can't let your ego get in the way. I think I've, 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 I've been in situations where I've been an associate director and I've worked with different directors and it's just like, you're not going to reinvent the wheel. If it's great, what you want to do is elevate it in the ways that, you know, you have your, what your strengths are, um, making it clean, maybe be a better communicator. Um, maybe my tone as a director, I, I really just try to keep it, um, you know, we have to have a little fun. We try to be a little light. I don't like berate anybody and I don't, you know, just fly, fly off the handle. And, you know, some of that stuff from the pat from, from like a generation past was just, I mean, every, everyone you work with was just a yeller and sometimes, you know, downright mean. I think that's gone, gone away. I think with this, with my generation of directing. So I think that I've, I've kept that going just to kind of make it more, again, family, like a family, we're friends. Um, it's definitely the TV is a team sport. Um, no one is successful without the person next to them. And um, I think I just try to let people do their thing, not get in the way unless I need to. And I think that's, that's a, that's not always an easy thing for a director to do. <laughs> but I think it's really good advice, especially for people listening that are interested in getting into this industry and interested in directing. I think that's, that's excellent advice. So it's access Hollywood during the week. Fox NFL Sunday on Sundays and during a normal season, that's totally fine. But of course this year there've been, you know, a number of game changes and, you know, we even saw just yesterday um, from when we're recording this, how has that affected your position and in your job and how do you balance that? Um, well, the COVID has definitely um, changed the actual look on TV, but the blocking being having to be socially distant and, um, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, when you don't feel like you're seeing your friends at work and you're seeing your face and, you know, you're high-fiving or whatever you're doing, it, it definitely feels different. You feel a little, we have plexiglass glass up between us for safety reasons. We're all wearing the mask. So it feels different when you go in there in general. And then obviously direct blocking is very strange. Like you would never block something like that, you know, but you have to, and so you do it. And then I think all the changes um, as far as the NFL goes with these games, you know, not happening and then games happening on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Monday, you know, it's all over the place. So I think it's 
kind of we're being we're on our toes a little bit and and not really obviously can't plan to do anything anyway so you're just working odd schedules and you just have to be open to helping as much as you can i we're i'm doing thursday night football right now which i have not done in the past that's usually was done in new york by a different director because of covid now it's being done in la obviously because of the travel and there's you know can't have any crowds anyways so that was a big change for me i hadn't done that and so i'm working during the week and um I like it. It's been really, really neat to just do one game and really concentrate on just that one game. It's been different for me and I've enjoyed that. So that wouldn't have happened without COVID. So I'm just trying to find the, the good spots and everything. And, um, you know, still really love my job. It's just a little different and that's okay. And are there things that you've learned and changed through COVID that you think you might take into a post COVID era. It sounds like such a dramatic term, but yes. I think it is the correct one. <laughs> yes. No, you're, um, I will. I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be able to like high five my crew, and I want to be able to pull push all the talent together and making sure the shot looks good and not have to worry about social distancing. And I want to. Um, you know, uh, be able to buy coffee, bring, uh, bring coffee in for the crew on Christmas and not, you know, I just, all those little things that kind of make it, I miss, but, um, so no, I'm going to go with, I'd love it to go back to the way it was. <laughs> totally fair. I think everyone feels that way about pretty much everything actually. So, um, I think that's, that's definitely fair. Um, what goes into your preparation for a game day or for Fox um, NFL well, Sunday? Well, we have a couple of meetings during the week. We had one today um, that just kind of sets the tone for what the plan is, how long the show is, you know, um, you know what, what the features are going to be on and who's going to be doing them, et cetera. So we kind of get a layout um, on Wednesday. And then we have another meeting on Saturday. It's um, obviously on Zoom these days. And we he kind of goes over more specifically our producer, Bill Richards. He goes over the show, what he has planned I out. I love Bill um, Richards. Oh Bill Richards my was my boss. That's come up even... on – Bill Richards gets a lot of airtime on this podcast because Megan O'Levy was on it. He, he gets a lot of airtime, and he was my former boss, and I just love Bill Richards. So Get out. thanks for bringing him up. Yes. Yeah, well, let me, let me bring him up a little bit more because I will tell you this. Please do. If it wasn't for Bill Richards, I wouldn't have this job. And and the boss okay. Is, tell me everything. <laughs> yeah, I know we've we've talked about like women, you know, lightly on women in sports. But I will say that um, when I was the AD for Bob Levy, um, I loved my job. It was a great job. I it was happy as a clam there. And then when I found out that Bob was not going to be returning, um, really no one thought about me except for Bill as an as an option. Bill, I had worked with uh, again with years in the in the tape room, and as he produced different things and uh, et cetera, and w- when he became the producer of the Fox NFL Sunday, so he came to me. He's like, "I think you can do it." And at first, I wasn't even sure I could do it. So he not only did he believe in me, but he gave me the opportunity. And I'll be honest with you, there was another person there who was no longer there at Fox who basically said, "Like, uh, no," <laughs> and you know, whatever. It all worked out, and I got the opportunity, and I like to think that I've done a good job with it. Um, but I really don't think anybody else would have given me that opportunity. Oh, that story makes me so happy. <laughs> Bill Richards is the best. And I worked there. I started as like an intern in college and after did a lot of work with Bill and learned so much from him. Um, and he's great. And I think I told this story on the Megan O'Levy podcast, but I'm going to tell it again because that was a while ago. 
that uh, after college, also while I was doing this, I was acting and I was in a play. And um, it was in this very small little theater, like Sunset in Orange or something like that. I can't remember. And after the play, I come out and there's Bill Richards. And I said, oh, Bill Richards, you came. And like everyone stopped because there weren't that many people there and looked. And there was this like, who's who's Bill Richards? But I was so excited. And that was always our joke that, you know, he was like famous because everyone was like, who's Bill Richards? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, That's a great um, story. I love hearing that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm glad it's now been told twice on this podcast. We'll try to tell as many Bill Richards stories as possible on this Absolutely. podcast. But, I'm sure I can wrestle up some more. Yeah. If anything else you think of, let me know. Even if it has nothing to do with this, feel free. Um, okay. But I do I do love that story. And it, it brings me into some of the other questions I have about kind of the opportunities. And there are not a, that many females in your position in sports. And so I would love for you to talk about kind of what that was like, because it you guys would go from a male director to a female director. Was there any, I don't want to use the word pushback because I don't love that word, but was there any, or were, were there any issues there, adjustments that had to be made, or did you find any, I guess, pushback from any of your colleagues or the people working for you? Well, I will say that, I, I mean, who knows what goes on behind the scenes. I, I don't, I just know that I don't think it was a slam dunk for, for Bill to, to hire me. Um, I think he just went on, out on a limb, I think a little bit for me. Um, and I, and I'm not saying like, they, they're like, oh gosh, you know, this is, doesn't work out. It's on you. I just think that he probably had to sell it a little bit. And that's all I mean by that, because Eric Shanks, who, who obviously is, our, is everybody's boss, he I'm sure was behind the idea of it. So, but I don't think that he, maybe he would have come to think of it if it wasn't for Bill. But I do think, um, as I look around, you know, a lot of times, there's just not a lot of women directors that I know. There's Courtney Stockman who directs the kickoff show. She's been directing for a few years now. I've been there since 2013. So in all that time, she might be the only other one that I know of. Um, so that's just not a lot. And um, and I don't know why. I, I've tried to encourage different interns along the way or even different PAs or BAs. And no one seems super interested. <laughs> I don't know why. Um um, it was kind of a little bit like that. I started off in news and um, there was uh, another another female who was starting up and she, I could just tell she was going to be good at it. She was just a quick thinker and she was fast and she was smart. And, and um, she she now directs The View. I like to say that I had a hand in that. She's a great director. And there's one other person that I trained, um, but the, really it's, I don't know if it's, I don't like the job, which is very possible because it's, you know, sometimes you get beat up a bit, but um, I just don't know if they maybe think it's an option for them because they don't see it that often. You know, if, if they don't see me mm -hmm. Monday, then maybe they're just not seeing you. And like, in, as it's been said many times before, if you don't see, you don't know you can be it. I think that's true. I think that that's true, which is why I think it is very important um, that you're in, in your position aside from the fact that you do a fantastic job, which is the most important but it's great that Fox has two female directors for the you know pregame shows on Sunday. Uh, but I, I think it's something that you know we would want to highlight, and um, that is interesting that you've encouraged other people. And I don't know, it, that's interesting. Maybe it's just one of those things that's going to take some time, uh, yeah. just like everything else. I know it was a real deep thought, but um, I think <laughs> you know it could be uh, one of those things. But I think it it's important. Would what advice would you have if there was a young woman? 
who did want to be a director uh, on a, a show such as yours, what kind of advice would you have uh, in terms of what it would take to get there? Um, I always like to say that um, you have to love it, right? Just with anything. You have to be passionate mm-hmm. about it um, and be willing to, because in the beginning, you're going to get beat up. You're going to have some shows where you just think, oh my gosh, this is not for me. I'm horrible at this and this couldn't be worse. Um, but you got to, you love it so much, you're going to come back the next day and, and, and keep going and it, and it will get better. Um, I also think that you have to, um, I think starting, like starting the tape room is where I started. It's a great learning because mm-hmm. it's, again, fast paced. You have to think on your feet. You're listening to a lot of voices. You're making quick decisions. It's a great place to start. And then from there, you go into the associate director chair. And then from the associate director chair, you go to the director chair. And you just start doing smaller things, smaller versions of, of, of what we're doing now, whether it's just, you know, um, like a like a two-person interview, like a podcast, uh, or whether it's something, mm-hmm. you know, for you know, sometimes those business seminar things, you can shoot and direct those things. So just start off small and see if you got a feel for it and see if you, if you like it. Um, like my dream still is to direct the Academy Awards and I have not given up on that. Um, I would love to do that. That's, um, that's a big goal of mine. Oh, that's a, that's an awesome goal. How do we make that happen? I, I, gosh, I'm trying. We're going to solve it right here on this podcast. It is a tight knit group. <laughs> let me tell you, cause I've tried to wedge my way in, but I have had zero luck, but, um, um, I'm not giving up. <laughs> well, we're putting it in the universe. So that's right. I, well, we're going to, we're going to manifest it. Um, you mentioned, you know, getting beat up and that that is something that everybody has to be prepared for. Can you think back to some of your earlier days and, and a criticism that you received that was difficult but very helpful for your future? Um, the one that sticks out is um, I was told I was too nice. You're too nice to be a director. And I, at first I was like, what does that mean? Um, and then I think some people, again, it's a generational thing. I'm spanning, I kind of was in between the old school directors, um, you know, and then this new, this now where we are are now. And I think that if you were too nice, they didn't take you seriously. Or, I mean, I remember somebody sending to me, like, if you don't make somebody cry, you're not doing your job, you know, things like that. And it just was so bizarre. I just thought, yeah, I'm just, it's just like, it goes with anything, you know, they say like some bosses are, you know, when you do positive or negative reinforcement, same thing with some teachers, same thing with some coaches. And I'm just always went for the positive. Um, and I think in general, people really just respond a lot better to that. Um, I know I do, but, um, don't get me wrong. You have to, if somebody really does something where they just didn't do the work or they weren't prepared or they didn't have a plan. Um, then that's something like, Hey, you got to call them out on that, but it's a way to do it with, uh, with respect and do it in private. You know what I mean? That's, that's where I'm at. Like, I'll go to somebody privately and be like, Hey, you know, you really kind of let us down on this thing. You just, I told you about it. You, you rehearsed it and you just didn't, you weren't there. That type of thing. But I, I, I don't like being like when people get chastised and yelled at in a, in a room full of people. It's, it's a little tough. And I don't think people respond to that. No, really. not for all long. That, all you walk away with. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you just walk away with being embarrassed and kind of upset. And then I think a lot of people find that to be unfair, right or wrong. And then that's what they take away. That was unfair and not, and the message of, what happens seems to be lost. And I think with most people that are um, doing a good job for the most part, I think you're never, no one's ever going to be harder 
harder on you than you are on yourself. I know for me, like if, 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 if the producer's upset with me about something that I didn't do right, or if there was a mistake, um, I feel like crap. You know what I mean? I don't need a big, huge dump on my ego because I'm already feeling pretty badly. And I already know I'm going to make a mental note not to do that again. And, and, you know, that's, that's how most of us I think are, you know, we're so hard on ourselves mm-hmm. too much, too much berating kind of just takes away your confidence. And that's what really is going to make you not do a good job next time. It's like when we see um, a quarterback get benched. Like, yeah. was, that, was that the right move? Was it not the right move? How will he respond? I mean, it's a similar, it is a similar thing. At least it's not in front of millions of people um, in what you do. But but I guess, you know, it's just different. Um, you're not berating people in front of a million people, I should say. Um, how do you deal with someone, though? Let's say you do have a private conversation where you say, you know, this didn't get done and that did. How do you deal with someone who gets defensive? How do you deal with someone who pushes back on you um, and tells you you were wrong. And I guess it's a little bit of a managerial style. And, and what is yours? You know, that's a good question. I have a an audio guy that I now we're really great friends. Um, but in the beginning, he just, you couldn't, I mean, first of all, he was very, very good. So it was very rare that I would even tell him anything. But, you know, sometimes he would do X, Y, or Z, right? And he would just, mm-hmm. just lose it. He, he couldn't even function afterwards. And so we just... I kind of, we had a couple of talks and we kind of got a little heated a couple of times about blah, blah, blah. And finally, I will tell you, we, I took him to the side, I bought him a cup of coffee and I just said, I, I'm here to tell you, you're amazing. If I say anything to you, it's only because I'm trying to make you more amazing. You know, I, I'm not your mm-hmm. only here. So I think if I have approached it from that way, you know, I think you're the best at your job. That's why you're here. If I'm telling you anything, I'm just saying, Hey, I think this could be even better. You know, you may not agree, and that's okay. When you're in my chair, you can make that call. But while I'm in the chair, you have to at least try what I'm asking. And then we kind of just go from there. And usually it always works out because people who are good and professionals, they want to be as good as they can possibly be. Like, if it, Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good. And I even say, like, with myself, like, when someone just yells at me, like, why did you do that? Or blah, blah. But if somebody says to me, look at this, see if that will help you be better. And I look at it and I've learned something. Gosh, I'll never forget that person. That's that's really good. And that is also a really good tip for someone coming up in the industry and really anybody in any industry when you're in a managerial position that there's a way to approach people and a way to give criticism in a, in a way that's productive um, and in a you know that people can kind of take, even if they disagree with it, they can understand why it's happening and and live with it. And so I think that's a, a good tip because this podcast is for women who work in sports, women who love sports and women who want to work in sports. So I think it's, these are always like really good, important tips. Um, a little along those lines, if you had a mentor, obviously you've talked about Bob Levy, you've talked about Bill, Rich- Bill Richards. Have you had any other mentors throughout your career? Yeah, I would say there's been two producers. Um, the first one would be going way back, Scott Sternberg. He um, he's produced a lot of things, a lot of game shows, different things. Um, he he had this show called Sunday Morning Shootout, which was my first kind of bigger uh, talk show, and it was um, with these two with these two television giants, Peter Goober and Peter Bart from you know from Mandalay Pictures, and now he owns mm-hmm. Our Daughters is and the other guy, Paul the Reporter. So they're just we're big guys, and they're going to have this talk show where they're going to get these big names, and they're just going to talk, just long conversations. And I was busy at the time and I was doing a lot of different things. And he's, and I said, Oh, thank you. But no, thank you. 
he called me back on the phone and he said, this is going to be big for you. This is important. This is going to be a, a, an industry, not maybe like a huge hit or anything, but it's going to be an industry important show. And he really kind of like talked me into it. Like he was almost doing me a favor, right? And um, mm-hmm. oh, okay, okay. Because I respected him. So I remember I learned so much in that job. I met so many people. I got nominated for a directing National Emmy on the show. Oh, wow. And I just, just thought that like, he's the kind of person I want to be. Someone who goes out of their way to help somebody. Um, he could have hired a million directors, a million. And, uh, and for him to see something in me, that that I've never forgotten it. And um, so he's somebody that I really appreciate. And then um, probably the other director, the other mentor that I have is Rob Silverstein, who was my producer at Access Hollywood 10 years. He's no longer there. But um, he's he taught me, like I remember a couple of times I kept asking him, are you happy with this? Do you like this? Do you want like that? But, you know, that thing constantly at the very beginning of the, sh- of the show that we were starting. And he just turned and he looked at me. He's like, I trust you. And if I don't like something, you will know. And it was just, I felt like I had, my wings were, I could just pull out my wings and go. You know what I mean? Because I had his backup mm-hmm. who, that he was going to let me know if he didn't like anything. And it was going to be not in a way that was going to make me feel like I was doing something just completely just, ridiculous you know and I just both of those mm-hmm. try to um try to remember how they made me feel as a as somebody that they were the, the boss of and so I've tried to do them but I don't know if I'm quite as good as either of them but I just really always will remember them fondly big time I would imagine that you are as good as them because if you're trying to do it then right off the bat I think that would make you as good as them but that's just my unbiased opinion um, thank you so- <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit about this, obviously, in terms of female directors in your industry. But generally, how have you seen opportunities grow and change for women in sports? And how do you think we can improve? Um, well, I would just say there's definitely more of us. Um, back in 2013, uh, oftentimes, especially like on the road, you you wouldn't see another woman anywhere. You You wouldn't see any on camera. You wouldn't see any doing audio. You wouldn't see any um, you know, directing or ADing, it was very few. And if there were some, there was more, there were more like assistance to executives, um, and just not doing things that really, I thought, um, they, that they would be really good at. Now we have a lot more women, a lot more women, uh, executives, a lot more women who, even if they're working for an executive, they're really on their own job and really making it their own. We have several. We had one, Kellyanne Dixon, who was um, used to be Bill's, um, I can't even know the right word, his assistant, but used to really help him with coordinating everything and coordinating the talent, coordinating um, all the remotes and different things. And so it really just became like a, a job in and of itself, um, aside what she, for what she did with Bill. And then we have um, we had three female ADs um, while I was directing. Um, currently, we have a male AD, but we did have three female ADs. We have a lot more PAs that are female. We have um, um, we have an executive named Judy. She's female. I mean, just just a lot more. Pe- oh, I know Judy. Judy yeah, you know Judy. Um, and so it's just I nice to you. when you go on the road or when you go into a meeting, you just see them there. And that that alone, again, like you said, like we were saying before, when you see it, you, then you know you can be it. So I think that the PAs that see her, Judy as this executive, or maybe they see me as a director, or if they or if they see you know whoever, and, you know. The accountant or financial or graphics. It just it's just 
nice that it's uh, so much more diverse now. But it could definitely improve. Fantastic. Um, we talked about COVID. Uh, so I want to go back a little bit to last year's Super Bowl in Miami. Um, I, I covered the 49ers. So I was there for, I felt like, I felt like I was in Miami forever. Um, but it, but it also feels like forever ago. So, you know, kind of in light of everything that's happened since then, it was pretty amazing that we got a Super Bowl. Can you think back on a moment or a highlight, especially considering what we've been through, um, but just with last year's Super Bowl? Um, absolutely. I think it's hard to pick a certain moment, but I will tell you that it was the biggest, greatest set I've ever seen, um, on a live production like that. Rod Conti and his team, Mike Davis, all of them really just Gary, they just did such amazing work. We had so many multiple sets. We're out there on the beach. We had this fly camera going across everywhere. We had the strata, we had a techno crane, we had multiple jibs. Um, we had this amazing wall, this LED wall. I mean, I will say that set really like, when I think of it right now, I'm getting the chills. They just, they they did such an amazing job and they gave me so many toys to work with. And Miami is just so cool as it, you know, with nothing. It's, it was, it was Mm -hmm. amazing. Um, A highlight for me was just doing that pregame show. As soon as we we started the show and it was four hours, (laughs) Um, it was, um, I just really loved every moment. I think for the first time, it's my third Super Bowl. Um, for the first time I actually sat in it and enjoyed the moment. Um, a lot of times past have been so in, you know, amped up and doing it that you're just, before you know it, it's over and you don't remember a thing. And I think this was the first time that I really was in the moment, had a laugh or two, and I was really just enjoying every minute of it as opposed to kind of like just trying to get through it. (laughs) That's awesome. Do you think that that's something that just comes with, um, comfort over time, confidence, or just, okay, this is my third one and now I can enjoy it? Um, all three. Definitely uh, more confidence. Definitely I have a few under my belt. Um, and then and really knowing how to put the, the right work in. Sometimes you work hard on certain things and they don't really show on screen. And I think now I kind of, mm-hmm. what I need to concentrate on, what my the majority of my time needs to go to. Um, and so it, it just felt a lot, a lot more secure in the work that I had put in. So I felt confident and, you know, just enjoyed it a little bit more. So before we move into five fun facts, I would love to know uh, a day in the Fox NFL Sunday life of Stephanie Medina and what that looks like. Uh, I wake up at 4 a.m. The alarm goes off at 4 a.m. Uh, I try to leave the house by 4.30. Um, I get there as soon as humanly possible, uh, usually around 5, 10 a.m., 5.15 and then we just, we start off, I go through the script, I mark the script, I go through the rundown, see if anything's changed, see where I might get caught on something, kind of set a plan with the graphics and with cameras, um, give them an idea of, of um, what the plan is. I go to a meeting with the talent, um, listen to Bill, talk to them about what he expects and what's happening and um, what the plan is. And then I have a camera crew meeting uh, tell them what the plans are and wh- what's maybe changed from the producer meeting. Um, give them an idea of where we're shooting everything. And we do some pre-production if we need to. Uh, we start rehearsal with the guys a little after that. Uh, we go through the show, almost all of it. And then we go live. We do the pregame show, which is an hour. And then we get a little break. When we come back, we're either doing um, 
stuff for halftime. We do a tease for halftime. We do game breaks where we take different highlights of different games and we bring them to different games. Um, but then we do all the half times for all the show for all the early games, which could be anywhere from two to six. Um, so we're pretty busy with that. Um, we come back, we take those early games off the air, we get the late games started and we do half times for the late games. And then we do a post for the late games. And then usually around 5 PM, we call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all? That's <laughs> it. That's true. That's it. That is a long day. Do you watch Sunday night football or are you done at that point? Unless my team is playing, I do not, but I really do enjoy Monday night football because I kind of feel like I'm rested. I can concentrate and I do enjoy having that on. But um, Sunday night football, I'm usually a little done. I'm usually a little done by then. That's fair. Who is your team? I like the Minnesota Vikings. I used to be a Rams fan until I left and then I picked. So it's not such a great year. It's definitely, definitely been a tough year, but you know, they're still very much in the hunt. So yes. How about you? you never know what can happen. I am actually a 49ers fan and uh, started Fangirl Sports Network covering the 49ers as 49ers fangirl. And then was lucky enough, though, I guess it wasn't just luck because I worked really hard for it, but um, was credentialed by the team. So now I am a 49ers beat writer. Uh, So I am a 49ers fan. It's obviously it's different now. You know, because obviously there's no cheering in the press box and, you know, it's just a, a different situation because it, it's my job to cover them, but it's pretty cool. Um, and like for me, for Super Bowl Sunday, when I woke up on that Sunday, I was like, wow, I this is the team I grew up loving and I'm going to cover them in a Super Bowl. I got a little teary when I looked at my credential, oh my um, but then I got it together and off I went to the, to the stadium. But um, yeah, actually a 49ers fan. So um that's been kind of, it's been a pretty cool experience to get to do this. Um, that's amazing. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's a, that's kind of one of the fun parts of uh, this whole story and, and a fangirl sports network is it started just because I really loved the 49ers and I love talking about them and I'd start a blog for fun about them. And now here we are. So, and that's the whole thing, right? What we're talking about, whatever you're passionate about um, and you work hard at, mm-hmm. it's a, you know, becoming fruitful for you, right? Manifest something great in your Yep. Life. See, exactly. There we are with the manifesting again. So a lot of good things, but I do think that that's true. And I think when you, and that's the thing with working in sports that I always tell people, it's not just about loving sports. You've, you've got to love kind of that part of it. What is it that you love about it? And then take that passion um, because it is going to be a lot of hard work along the way. And it's going to be very rewarding and you're going to have an incredibly cool job, but you want to know what you love about it, why you love it and, and where you want to take that passion. I feel definitely. Like. Uh, so before I let you go, we are going to go into five fun facts, which uh, Stephanie, I, our listeners know this, but you would not probably as this started because I do this with the 49ers players. Uh, we do it usually on my iPhone this year. We do it on zoom where they give five fun facts kind of about themselves that people wouldn't otherwise know. Uh, but on this podcast, we ask everybody the same five questions every week, which has been very cool because we get five very different answers. Uh, so if you are ready, we will do five fun facts with Stephanie Medina. I'm ready. All right. What is your favorite moment in sports? Well, I'm going to have to go with the 2020 Dodgers World Series win. <laughs> Yay, me 
too. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm the only bummer is that I wish I could have gone to at least some games, but you know what? I'll still take it. I actually went to games one and two. It was very exciting. Oh, I'm super jealous. Very cool. Yeah, it was, it was very, very cool. Um, but hopefully they'll go next year and then you can definitely go to some games. I hope uh, so. What is your life? Yes, I think we all do. Um, huge Dodgers fan over here, clearly, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> what is your life motto? Um, I read this one. I thought this was pretty cool. I, I always say it to my son, too. It says, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And I think that um, that's always just kind of like a karma thing, like a full circle thing, like a reap what you sow thing. I think that just put it pretty eloquently. You 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 get what you put in, and if you give more than you receive, you'll you'll always have enough. That's fantastic. That's that's a fantastic life motto. I'm I'm gonna write that down and kind of have that out <laughs> all the time. Thank you, thank you for sharing that one. Uh, do you have a go to workout? You know, it's I'm a, slightly obsessed with Jennifer Lopez as I've been since I was forever. Um, and she used to, she was working out with this lady named Tracy Anderson, right? She's um, a dancer to mm-hmm. work out. And so I bought some of her DVDs. This is whenever they were first came out and popular. And I brought them back since 2020, since I can't go to the gym anymore. And I really do like them. It's kind of like a dancing type aerobics type of thing, I guess. Um, so I would say dancing, um, not necessarily to a, to a workout video, but dancing has always been my kind of my go-to thing. Uh, I love it. Oh, that's fun. That's super fun. What is your go-to coffee order? If you're waking up at 4 a.m. Oh gosh, this is going to be the worst boring answer. Um, decaf with oat milk. <laughs> you do decaf? I'm so impressed. I have to do decaf because I'm insane. And if I was to be caffeinated, I nobody would be able to understand me. I'd be speaking way too fast. <laughs> That's amazing. That's fantastic. And what is a book every woman should read? Well, I'm going to go again with current because of the COVID. I've read a lot of books, but I was really impressed with a book by Glennon Doyle called Untamed, which I know is very popular and everyone's read it right now. But there's a lot of really good life nuggets in it that I was really impressed by, especially it really just talks to women about kind of what we put ourselves put, put on ourselves more than anything. You know, some people can be hard on us or some people may not give us an opportunity, but I think we're sometimes most hard on ourselves and each other, our other women um, around us. And I think that um, a really good book to read. Fantastic. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Tracy. I, I, um, I've never been on a podcast before. I've, this is only my second interview in my life. I really felt comfortable and, um, I just enjoyed our conversation. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm so honored. I'm so honored to be your first podcast. Well, fantastic. Well, if you guys liked what you heard, and I know you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And I'll talk to everybody next week. Bye, y'all. Sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstandtenspodcast.com. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.